<clears throat> Attendees, if you're just logging in, just give us a chance to um, get started here in a moment. We're just giving everyone a chance to log on. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine, and welcome to our virtual thought leadership series. Um, we have a really awesome panel today on a great topic, which is pickleball, um, which was recently named the fastest growing sport in the U.S. And we have some really great operators here who are um, well-versed in this area. Um, so please take the opportunity to ask them any questions in the chat if you have any. Um, and yeah, excited to dive in. So I'm gonna have each of our panelists go around and introduce themselves and share a fun fact. Um, Anish, let's start with you. Hi everyone, thanks for being here. Uh, Anish Manra, I'm the Assistant Director of Community Programs and Services for the Columbia Association in Columbia, Maryland. We're a nonprofit services organization running the whole city of Columbia with about 105,000 people, wellness, fitness, sports, recreation, arts, culture, a little bit of everything. And we're also the homeowners association for the city. So it's a very unique organization. Yeah. And a little fun fact about me, uh, I went to school in Australia and had the privilege of living in Sydney during the 2000 Olympic Games and had a chance to volunteer at some of the events during that uh, time. And so very, very unique experience and never will forget that. So thanks for being here again. Very cool. I'm going to have to hear about that. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, um, Andrew, go ahead. Yeah, my name is Andrew Gunberg, I'm the executive director uh, at Cedarville Health and Fitness up in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Uh, Cedarville has been around for about 50 years. We just celebrated our 50th anniversary this year. Uh, the company did have a tragic fire back in 2017, but we reopened back in May of 2019. And then we had the pandemic, but we're still here. We're still standing, standing strong. So fun fact about me is I have a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. My three-year-old wow. pickleball paddle last Great. month. So get him out <laughs> on the pickleball courts and get him started. Get him started <laughs> playing young. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Janet. Um, hi, I'm Janet Warner. I'm the executive fitness director for the Alaska Clubs. We are a network of clubs throughout the state of Alaska. And a fun fact about me is I have a six-year-old Corgi and her name is Polly. And Polly and I are hiking buddies. So we, she has short legs, but she gets up the mountains <laughs> just fine. That's awesome. Oh, I've always wanted a Corgi. They're the best. So fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, Eric. Uh, my name is Eric Schmitz, and I'm the president of an organization called California Athletic Clubs. We have seven sort of traditional multi-purpose clubs, um, six in California and one in Utah. Um, and I've been in the industry a long time, and I just really love the industry. And a fun fact about me, similar to Janet, um, from a dog standpoint, we, my wife and I have been cat people for like 30 years. And Two years ago, my daughter was home from college and we sort of wanted to shake it up a little bit and we got a chocolate lab. So oh, wow. we've shifted from cat people to dog people. Wow. And the and the energy that that dog has is unbelievable. But hiking, same with Janet, is a way to keep him calm. So I hike in the mountains of Santa Barbara with him. Nice. How do the cats feel about that? Um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're learning to get along. Yeah. But it's sort of, we got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, Charlie. Yeah, hi. Uh, great to have everybody here. I'm Charlie Hauser. I'm the Senior Operations Advisor for World Gym International. I also own and operate my own 
fitness facility. And I'm a partner with a company called Pickleball Management Group. Uh, so got all the bases covered. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, uh, I love going to a lot of concerts and I love camping. As a matter of fact, I'm camping right now. So mm-hmm. in Pickleball, they tell you to stay out of the kitchen. When you're in a camper, it's pretty hard because you're, the kitchen is the camper. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's an awesome. And thanks again, Charlie, for joining us while you're on your vacation. We really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, yeah. Like we said, I mentioned pickleball or pickleball is one of the fastest or is the fastest growing sport in the U S right now. So I'd love to hear from each of you on why you think that is, why do you think people are being drawn to the sport right now? Um, Eric, let's start with you. Um, I think if you cut to the chase, it's super fun, right? So, so many different types of people can quickly have fun and really enjoy being together. It doesn't have as much as a learning curve as tenants. But I think if you think of all the things that it offers, literally just having fun is like the biggest thing. And if you just watch play people playing pickleball, like that's what you notice. I mean, there are a lot of other things, but I think that's like the main thing, how quickly you can play, how like little skill you need to have to start and just you can immediately have fun and that really hooks people yeah Mm. janet what are your thoughts well of course all of that and and it lines up with fun but it's also that community that need to be with Mm. people and while you're playing you can still have some banter going on and if it's pickup play and others are waiting they're still involved in what's happening with the play um, and that also lets people observe and learn quickly too. So those that are a little bit anxious at first, I always recommend just go and you'll, you'll be into the game before you know it, but by observing and watching and the pickleball community has been super welcoming of new people. And that's not always the case with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that welcoming and that community, that ability to be a part of a club, a community is meeting yeah. a lot of needs. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Anish, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so Eric and Janet hit on a lot of the points, but yeah, you know, it's so easy to learn and it's so, it's not as intimidating as some of the other sports and disciplines out there. But now, since people have also been playing the sport for a long time, it is still challenging enough to keep people engaged as they progress through, you know, the sport of pickleball. And, you know, Janet's touched on this, but the social component is second to none. I mean, the way people gravitate and build mm-hmm. networks and connectivity is so quick it's almost like infectious so, yeah, all, of the, all of the recipes you need really to be a successful sport in a community with transcends different demographics yeah charlie anything you'd add no oh, i think he might be oh we might be losing connection on him for a second <laughs> all right andrew you weigh in yeah my uh jump out in for sure yeah i think they're you know side from the social which is very important you know the sport really got a kick there yeah we can hear you now charlie okay well you know i was saying uh you know the sport really got its kickstart during covid got people outside Mm -hmm. i think that's a very strong point is the fact you know getting people outside the other thing is females and males can play virtually equally and i think that's a lot of what's driving the social you know, typically a lot of sports are dominated by one gender or the other, but, you know, speed of the ball is pretty much maxed out at a certain point. Physical ability, it really isn't a big determining factor. And I think really women make 
far fewer mistakes on a pickleball court than men. They don't try to hit the ball so hard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, awesome. Andrew, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I think I'll kind of echo what they all kind of said, but I think the community aspect of it um, and the simplicity of getting started, you know, I think comparing tennis to pickleball, you know, the biggest challenge for people to get into tennis, A, the fact of confidence is B, the serve. Where pickleball, the serve is so much easier to pick up and learn that they can start actually playing and point play right off the bat. Um, the community aspect and the socialization aspect is huge. Um, as Charlie mentioned, you know, any level, um, ability, body shape, body type, you mm -hmm. know, in shape you are, you can play with anybody. So that social aspect of it um, has been a huge component of the boom. From my perspective is just getting people playing and having fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to have each of you go around and just talk about pickleball at your, at your organizations. Just tell me a little bit about how long you've had it. Um, if you've expanded the offering in any way, and then maybe what the trajectory is looking like um, in terms of it's trending. Anish, let's start with you. Yeah, so at Columbia Association, we kind of began offering pickleball informally on outdoor tennis courts by just putting blended lines. And that was back in the summer of 2014. And I can't even remember those days anymore. I mean, we literally have conversations every week on what else do we need to offer? But we have got a whole diverse area of programming now, whether it is instruct entry-level instructional clinics, strategic pickleball clinics, league play, open play. We're now going to be hosting a big uh, tournament in this region that's going to draw about 1,000 people from the Mid-Atlantic region. We've also done things such as uh, you know, some fun events in the form of doing like an informal pickleball world record to see how long can a group of people play. And we did that for about 12 hours at one of our locations. Uh, you know, it's boomed so much that back in 2018, actually, we built a state-of-the-art six-court outdoor facility with lights and are now looking to also line up all of our uh, fitness clubs on the arena floors with pickleball lines and all of that. It's just because we can't keep up with the demand. And it's also translating now into membership sales and everything. So it's a win-win-win, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Charlie, what about at World Gym and then the facility you own? Well, we're still trying to get World Gym into the pickleball craze. Uh, mm -hmm. I keep uh, tapping on the shoulder of our COO all the time and uh, dropping hints that uh, we don't want to mm -hmm. miss this opportunity. So that's that's one of the key things. Uh, personally, at my own facility, uh, we put a court in our parking lot. So when uh, we needed a place to play, we could go there. Happened to have one at our house. And uh, most of the time we hit the community courts uh, and set up our own nets uh, and do what we have to do to play. Uh, I've even gotten a stencil kit where I can chalk it out on a parking lot if I want to on a, on a trip. So, you know, we have to make do a lot of times with pickleball. You know, one of the interesting things, 170 players per court right now in this country. So, yeah, you know, that's the big part of it is our shortage of courts and facilities and mm -hmm. particularly indoor. You know, we're, we're a bit of a seasonal sport, whether it's heat, rain, snow, whatever. So that would be the next big move I see industry-wise is the indoor courts. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Eric? Um, we have sort of experimented, similar to Anish, differently with putting temporary lines on the courts, chalky lines, and then we have converted tennis courts to pickleball courts and have had success with that. I mean, there are some challenges, and I know we'll get into that later, um, but it seems to continually grow every year, and I think COVID sort of slowed us down a little bit in conversions because COVID 
like literally save tennis. Like tennis is was on such an uptick. So now it's like this real estate, you know, who which court, you know, so that's definitely a challenge. But the the most successful thing would be just to be converting existing tennis courts to four pickleball courts. You know, some tennis courts are bigger than others, but that seems to be the home oh, run, yeah. um, the home run with our conversions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Janet, what about at the Alaska club? What's how, how long have you guys had it? Um, we've had it for, I think we're going on five years, uh, primarily started at one of our larger clubs. It's now at almost all of our large clubs now. So we are statewide Fairbanks, Anchorage, um, clubs outside of the Anchorage area and Juneau. Um, primarily our pickleball is played in our gym. Um, tennis courts are, um, and I know we'll get into that, but, um, very coveted space. And in the state of Alaska here in, in Anchorage, the only indoor courts are at one of our facilities. So we have like high school tennis here and, and everything. Um, so it is, has definitely expanded, um, I would say um, exponentially in the last year and a half. Um, this time of year, a lot of players are out um, in the community for the outdoor courts. Um, so our prime times for us would be you know, September through April in terms of needing indoor play. And uh, we are one of the largest providers of that. Awesome. Yeah, we'll get into the challenges next after this. <laughs> um, Andrew, though, yeah, how so, long have you guys had it? So we brought Pickleball and we had the rebuild and we reopened in 2019 from the fire. Um, we had lined six Pickleball courts on our basketball courts. Um, so that's kind of essentially when we started with Pickleball. Um, however, we saw that the direction it was going, plus the demand for the basketball was a little bit of a challenge for us. So as we reopened from the pandemic, we actually lined, permanently lined uh, with blended lines, two of our tennis courts. So we have six now outdoor pickleball courts on a bank of two tennis courts, which that we also bubble in the winter. So we now have indoor pickleball in the winter on that court, those two tennis courts that are now pickleball courts. Um, and it's really grown. We've actually been growing that, that program um, with now clinics. We have round robins multiple days a week, uh, as well as we're doing different social events to tie in the social aspect with some intra club and inviting pickleball players from some other facilities to come join us um, to have kind of that intra club type of feel um, from a social aspect. But it's been booming. We have a new junior rackets director. We'll be starting some junior pickleball clinics in the fall, as well as bringing up buddy up tennis uh, to our facility in the fall and doing buddy up pickleball. Uh, so offering an adaptive program for athletes with Down syndrome um, to utilize pickleball. Awesome. That. Nice. Very cool. All right. Well, each of you talked about challenges. So let's go ahead and get into that. Um, and I have heard that there can be a little bit of tension between the tennis mm -hmm. and pickleball players. So maybe let's talk about that. And then how um, any strategies that you guys have found to overcome that. Um, Eric, let's start with you. Um, yeah, definitely. That's always the concern. I think the tennis players feel threatened, right? That you're, if you're outdoor converting courts that, you know, their courts are going to be taken away. Um, so that's one thing. And, you know, we do it slowly and we see how it goes. And also the noise, that's definitely an issue, something for people to get used to. At some of our clubs, we're lucky in that some of our courts that we've converted are a little bit farther away from the, uh, the big bank of tennis courts and that works well. Um, but what we're finding is as it continues to grow, as Janice sort of said, like the last year and a half is just, it's exploded that the tennis players are softening as more of them are playing both and realizing that for them, as they get a little bit older, it's easier. 
They can bring different friends in. As we have more social events that are related to pickleball, um, they're liking that. So I think they're all over. You can overcome the challenges, but definitely if it's converting tennis, there are going to be challenges because <laughs> yeah. it's a different vibe to like, there's not as much studiness. People are more open to it. So it's just, you know, two different cultures trying to work together and it's getting there, but it's definitely been challenging. Yeah. Okay. Charlie, what are your thoughts? Oh, I think you're muted, Charlie. <laughs> Yeah, they're mowing, they're, they're mowing the campground, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I see the challenges being, uh, it's really separating the two sports. Um, yeah, there is some back and forth. A lot of the tennis players, particularly the older ones, are coming over. Some of the tennis players are starting to dominate the competitive side of the sport. So that's going to change some things down the road here, too. Uh, as far as the courts themselves, it may be saving some fitness facilities that have courts. You know, the lines, yeah, they can be. Well, I think we lost Charlie again. <laughs> I might tell him to call in here in a minute, if you can hear. Okay, Janet, you go ahead and uh, talk about um, any challenges and strategies for overcoming that. Sure. At this point, we haven't used our tennis court areas. Um, our tennis and racquetball are a higher level of membership. And so we have not um, put pickleball there yet. And I say yet because of how it's growing, I expect there will be, will be changes. Um, so we use our basketball courts, but it still has a similar challenge. Anytime you're sharing space, there's going to be a challenge. It started out fairly smoothly because most of the pickleball players want that early or mid-morning, and that's not a prime time for us for basketball. But as now more people want evenings or weekends, um, we share that space. Um, one of the key factors is communicating what your schedule is so that your members know they can look on the website or in the app and know, yep, this is basketball time. Oh, yep, this is pickleball time. Um, that's been key to managing the expectations and avoiding the frustrations. Yeah, great advice, Janet. Um, Anish. Yeah, so at least we didn't have the initial challenge of the tennis versus pickleball piece because we, are, we were not trying to do addition by subtraction. So it was more about just making sure that the community understood that we're just going to continue offering all these different opportunities to really engage the entire community at large. And kind of that messaging and that communication up front was critical to not giving that perception that people are going to lose something so we can add something. So that was point one. But point two is because a lot of the pickleball players, at least currently still, are more from a demographic that maybe has some more time during the daytime, we're able to maximize our indoor court time, you know, in those two, three, four, five, six dead hours that we may have in the middle of the day, and they can come inside and play. And in fact, this past season, I even had success selling season court time during the winter, like we normally would do with tennis players, to pickleball players helping them understand that actually the share per person actually is a little bit less than what even tennis players would pay because you could easily put two courts in one tennis court and share the cost and kind of the light bulb went on. Uh, but the biggest challenge I found initially was just that overall uh, kind of em embracing the fact that they would have to pay to play indoors, which tennis players are in inherently kind of accustomed to, whereas pickleball players, as we've already heard from the panel, they're so used to putting down a court anywhere and just time to play. Whereas now coming into a state-of-the-art, you know, indoor tennis facility and that kind of real estate and that environment, 
there's a cost to that. And so helping them understand that, hey, you're going to get value and helping them understand that and kind of managing those expectations and having those conversations is how we kind of found a lot of success bridging some of those barriers and challenges. But it's, I think as the market grows, there's going to be the demand for the higher experience that you have. That's sort of what we're finding, right? Because it's the whole, we can play it for free on the you know park courts. Uh, that's sort of what tennis, you know, a long time with tennis. So I think if you have the member experience and have the facility, you will draw the people at whatever price you charge, as long as there's enough of the market. Yeah. Yeah, to Eric's point, actually, I touched on this earlier. We actually hosted a lot of uh, intentional pickleball open houses and events indoors so people could get come and try and get that feel of that indoor experience. And then the conversation was so much more seamless from there because suddenly they were like, oh, why would I want to not play in this environment when already yeah. we're sharing the cost even more than tennis players would? So, you know, the whole try then buy kind of concept. I think you're you're muted, Rachel. But um, I, the only issue we really had was uh, somewhat Anish is just the, the pickleball players now having to pay for it, especially indoors. That was the only real hurdle we had. Um, but after communicating about, like he said, indoor space, heating, lighting, you have more expenses uh, to operate that space. That you know it's similar to tennis. You got to pay for that experience. And we didn't have much pushback after just having those initial conversations. Um, but other than that, we've seen a lot of our tennis players doing both. You know, we have a group of gentlemen that play tennis two days a week. They play pickleball the other two days a week. So we've seen a big growth with the tennis community embracing pickleball and actually really enjoying it, which is leading to us to creating a program next year for a life sport program to show tennis and pickleball as a life sport that you can do at the age of four, you can do at the age of 94 um, and really promote them together to help them grow together as just kind of a life sport program um, to better everybody. So we haven't seen a ton of pushback, more tennis players really embracing it and not leaving tennis for pickleball, just integrating it into their life and what they do. And now they're at the club four days a week versus maybe two days a week. So we've seen a big growth with just the LOS of a lot of our members now that they're more engaged in other aspects of the facility. Yeah. And that jacks awesome. up the retention too, right? So yes. it's a win-win again. Yes. <laughs> a big thing we've seen, which I was talking with our ownership actually this morning, We've seen a big increase from our group exercise community. They've bought into pickleball like that. And so now we oh, have cool. people from Zumba or Body Pump, and they're all going playing pickleball after their classes. And so now they're getting that social aspect, you know, and just spending more time here at the club. Awesome. Well, each of you have kind of touched on this a little bit in terms of just growth and um, uh, promotion. So let's turn to marketing messages and just any advice that you could give to other operators for promoting or marketing pickleball. Janet, let's start with you. Of course, you know, your website has to have uh, pickleball up front and be completely accurate and up to date with what you're offering. Um, pickleball itself, is, for, in my experience, has been very much a word of mouth. So they will invite their friends I think if you go and, you know, either hand them guest passes or just say, bring in your friends, you know, we're going to have an open house on this day, um, they will do it. So your community will help you build your community. Awesome. Eric, what about you? Um, I totally agree with what Janet said. Just adding one thing is like any program in a club, if you have like a great champion of pickleball, 
that can create a great member experience, then that's going to make it that much easier for people to do word of mouth. Um, also, we'll, we do social events because we have beer and wine licenses at all the clubs. So we do social events and we'll market those on our website through email. And we have done some meta advertising on Facebook um, and Instagram and actually getting like really good response. And part of the messaging is pickleball. And again, it's just, you know, you can target your group and we're getting a good response, but definitely it's word of mouth as, as you know, that's the main thing. And it's, yeah. you know, cause they know who's good, else is going to like it. Yeah. And it works really well. Yeah. All right, Charlie, let's see if we can hear you. Okay. How am I doing? Okay. So far. Okay. Well, I think programming is going to be very key for us. Uh, events, contests, leagues, those kinds of things. Instruction is going to be very important, and I, Eric touched on that with the champion. Uh, the other thing I think from the fitness side we have to embrace, our training programs have to talk about conditioning for pickleball because you have a large market that has entered into all of a sudden exercise that they're not used to. So you're seeing a lot of injuries out on the courts, plantar fasciitis, backs, knees. So I think as an industry, if we embrace a message that says, hey, come here, be in shape. It's going to take away from that and unity that's where we're out here. Awesome. All right, Andrew, any advice on marketing? Yeah, so kind of, I mean, I know like we might have been Anish talked about the sound and being a challenge. The sound for us has actually been a, a positive, you know, people hearing the ball outside, hearing people laughing, hearing people have a good time. The sound of the pickleball actually has driven people to go watch it from the outside. So it's been actually an interesting avenue to see, but also Instagram, uh, social media, you know, showing the fun and the excitement that members have from testimonials, um, some video footage. Um, the other thing we've done with our new members, with new members coming in, if they express any kind of interest in pickleball, we offer them a free 30 minute evaluation with pickleball. So it gets them out on the court with one of our racket pros and gets them engaged with it right off the bat. And then we invite them to a round robin and then boom, now they had that community feel within the first couple of weeks of joining the club. And then that integration of that new member into the facility utilizing pickleball in the community just helps for longevity of that length of stay um, of that member. But again, just any avenues you can to get it out and show the excitement and the fun of it really drives them in from that experience perspective. Yeah, Anish. Yeah, so in addition to what everyone said, the only two things I'll add is where we found some real success was being able to partner with kind of the local pickleball associations in our community because, you know, they've all kind of formed their own associations and groups and everything. And so really tapping into that resource and kind of partnering with them on different initiatives. And also the U.S. Pickleball Association has all these, uh, you know, ambassadors for pickleball spread out all over the place. And so really, again, connecting with those ambassadors to kind of really help also get some insight from them on kind of what works because, one of the challenges going back, you know, just tapping in the chance for a second is approaching pickleball just as if you would approach tennis. It's not the same thing. And we've all started to learn that over the last few years in how we are structuring what we're doing with pickleball. I mean, along, just the fact that it's a racket sport, that's about it, but very different, uh, you know, consumer and kind of what they're looking for. And so really getting those insights from some of these folks that are already so-called experts out there and form their own groups. And that's kind of led to, you know, all of these events we've been able to host. And then they spread it to their, you know, membership. And it just kind of goes like wildfire. 
And the only other thing I was going to add is, you know, I've also seen some success with corporate team building. You know, it's one of these activities that I've seen. I've already done two or three of these now, including with our executive team here. And it was such a hit. I mean, they can't wait to do something like this again, because again, it's, it's so easy to get going. You don't need too much time and planning involved. Get everybody to one place at one time and just get going. And so there's some real opportunities all over the place in moving this along. Awesome. Yeah, I'd agree with Anish on the, the team building aspect of pickleball. We did a whole holiday of pickleball extravaganza for our staff because it's so easy for them to pick up. So you have, we had a dozen personal trainers out there. We had a registered dietitian out there, you know, all of them running around and just having a blast and having a ball with it, um, you know, really got them engaged with each other, you know, and, and stuff like that. So it's just a great way to get, get the team out there and get them involved and in doing something together on kind of a level playing field, if you will. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into my next question, which is just asking about the benefits of pickleball. Um, is it a good profit center? Is it good for retention? Is it a combination of both? Um, if each of you could speak on that, that'd be great. Eric, let's start with you. Um, I think it's a combination of both. We price it in between, again, we're summer traditional. We'll have the swim and health membership, which is fitness and pools. And then we have the tennis membership and we price it right between there. So they're getting everything. It's not just pickleball only. We're not discounting it. So we're charging more probably than other competitors, but that's just sort of the experience we offer. Um, but I think any um, activity in a club that can get people to come to the club, you know, more than four times a month with their social group, you're going to retain them. And even if it is a very different from tennis in a lot of ways, like that's why tennis has for the most part lasted so long is you get people coming back. So if they can have fun and if they're coming back, you are going to retain them. So I think, again, it just checks so many boxes of like what we do. And from a retention standpoint, right, if you're providing services to about fitness so they don't get injured, if you have the champion, if you have a great member experience, they're going to come and they're going to find their tribe, right? And that's, then you do, it's, that's all you need, right? And then the other thing would be that we're doing a lot of social events like pairing with, you know, pickleball and craft beer, pickleball and cornhole, again, just to get retention. So it would be hard to find something that's better at retention and it's only going to get better. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Charlie, what are the benefits from your perspective? Well, I think uh, you definitely have to pay attention to the retention part of things. Uh, if you think there's something uh, you're missing, you better go to the community courts and see a lot of your former members there. So I think that's key. I think the other thing is the food. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> Lost him again. All right, Janet, you go ahead and weigh in. Um, absolutely. I think it's both. We've already hit on retention. You get them to come into the club quite often. They're with their community, um, all of that. The revenue, I think we've only just begun what those will be. Um, we do offer workshops. We have like an intro and next level and third shot. Um, some very specific things that the players um, want to increase their skills. Um, I think the social events uh, could be revenue or you could even tie it in with um, a particular charity if you wanted it um, in your community outreach. Um, leagues, youth, lessons. I think we've only just begun. Awesome. Andrew. I'd say, obviously, everybody's mentioned retention, retention, retention. 
but it is. I mean, it, like they said, others had said, it gets to your members in the club more frequently. If they're in your club more frequently, they're more likely to stay. Um, also the revenue, I think with pickleball, you're now able to market your market and your membership is a greater percent than maybe just tennis. You know, you may have 5,000 members and only 10% of them are interested in tennis or pickleball. You know, you're gonna have a lot more than that interested in pickleball just because of the community, the social, the ease of getting started with pickleball. Um, our lessons are start, we get, we have a demand that we have trouble here um, facilitating all of the, the, the leads we have for some pickleball lessons. We actually were fortunate just to hire a new junior rackets director who's certified with pickleball. He's been running three, you know, up, you know, instructional clinics a week. We're averaging 20 to 30 for each of those. Um, and they're all paid for programs that gets them on the court. Uh, you have more people on a court than you do at this court. You know, so cost per square foot is a lot greater. Um, and the cost sharing of them playing together, it saves them money, but also brings the club in more revenue um, as it continues to grow. Yeah, awesome. Any sort of the benefits from your perspective? Yeah, I'll start with retention times five. So there you go. I think that's consistent. Uh, but I touched on this earlier. Definitely, it's also helping us in selling more memberships uh, for folks that maybe do not want to, you know, be part of a fitness club or something. But if you're trying to offer pickleball in all these environments, that's definitely getting them into our clubs again. Uh, especially because we don't really do much of an a la carte membership. Our memberships are really all encompassing. So whatever value we can show for them to at least get their journey started with us, that's critical. And having all these options is very important. And then, you know, in the last 12 months, we have seen this exponential rise in the revenue potential for Pickleball, which is really exciting because initially it was just an offering and we were not seeing any dollars coming from it. But in the last 12 months, you know, we have, I brought in somebody who was one of the co-founders of the Howard County Pickleball Association to help launch the pickleball program. And he's done a great job championing it. It's grown so much. I had to hire a second person for pickleball a month and a half ago. And I'm in the process of bringing a third person on board now to help out with the pickleball program. And including our tennis coaches have been helping out with it in the summertime as we've been piloting it with the juniors because we want to launch it with the juniors. So, I mean, the sky is truly the limit. Let's see where that sky is. But, uh, I mean, it's very exciting that there's another opportunity like this that we're all being presented with, that if we embrace it, and I think that's the key word because a lot of people don't embrace it, unfortunately. If we embrace it, there's a lot of potential here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, you guys have shared some really intriguing information so far, and I'm just curious, are there any other best practices that club operators should keep in mind when pursuing um, offering pickleball? Um, Andrew, let's start with you. I think the big piece is understanding your, your demographic and your membership base. If your club or facility is a very social atmosphere, it's going to just boom. Pickleball will just take off in a heartbeat. You know, if it's more of a 24-hour type of facility that people just come in and get their workout in and leave, maybe a little more of a challenge to get the buy-in. Um, however, but just understand your demographic and what you're looking for. I don't think pickleball is gonna stop growing anytime soon. It's just, I think gonna help benefit, you know, facilities, whether you're a community-based facility, a multi-purpose facility. Um, I think it's gonna help tennis. I think it's gonna help grow tennis in the long run if done the right way. I think a big piece is, is to keep it very social. Like you've heard all of us mentioned multiple times and trying to avoid the, the, the kind of stereotypical type of tennis community where people that are a higher level never want to play with someone below them, right? Where for pickleball, if you can keep the culture as in, hey, you might be a four, you might be a 2.5, hey, let's still play. You know, keeping that atmosphere, a community type of inviting and inclusive type of atmosphere is the big piece. 
going up this hierarchy of I'm better than you, so I'm not going to play with you. That's just going to kill it in the long run. Yeah, for sure. Janet, what are your thoughts on best practices? Well, one is if you're sharing space, consider storage of your equipment and who is going to be setting it up because the person that sets it up and takes it down and the care that they take of things, things will last longer. I do find the pickleball players are very helpful and they're very good with equipment and they are the people you want in the clubs. Like they're welcoming, they're friendly, helpful, um, clean, (laughs) not causing Mm -hmm. any problems. So uh, we definitely like to support them, but, you know, consider those things, especially if you're just getting started um, with the storage and all of that. The other one is don't compete with yourselves in terms of your programming. So if you're offering group fitness classes at the same time as pickleball to a similar audience, maybe we should be mixing some things up so that they, you know, they could do a mobility class before or after pickleball or a yoga stretch. Or um, again, I think recovery is another um, revenue potential for this group or retention tool for this group because they are jumping in, you know, playing as many days as they can. And those issues are going to start to crop up. So take a look at what your programs are. Make sure you're not competing with yourself. Yeah. Eric, what are your thoughts? I think if you haven't gotten into pickleball already, you should think of it as a rifle shot. Look at, obviously, your facility. What are the possibilities of providing court space? Sort of regardless of surface, because there's so many different surfaces you could do it on. And don't invest tons of money, but figure out how you could be different in offering pickleball. And then if you're getting traction, then, you know, spend some money and make sure that, especially if you're a for-profit club, if that's your niche, like how is the experience going to be at a level where people are going to pay for it and be willing to be part of it? So you, the only, the only thing you could do that's not right to do is not do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anish. I mean, my first best practice that I personally have learned from is I've really kind of listened to the pickleball consumer and not just gone in as an operator and said, I kind of understand how this is supposed to be and I'm just going to do it. So I've listened to them. I've listened to kind of what really works for pickleball players and then try to see how that does that, does that align with kind of how we operate and what we offer and all of those things to try to find that balance. So that was really critical in listening and building those relationships because that kind of goes a long way. And then really developing a very systematic plan of how to bring new players into the sport and having that cross-section of offerings and kind of doing those things where it's not just you're throwing things out there and hoping that something would make sense, but starting to kind of put some thought into kind of how you get people involved and how you kind of chart and map out that journey, just like we would do with all the other areas in our clubs. You know, what does that look like? And then finally, just the only other thing that uh, worked well, going back to, I think someone touched on saying pickleball players are very helpful. Absolutely, they are. Uh, One of the challenges I was facing is, how do I get the tennis courts taped up indoors for pickleball play and then again taken down without losing valuable time? And I I can't put in more staff just to do that because that would not make sense. So I was able to find a way to offer 15 minutes of complimentary court time to the people booking a pickleball court and the eight of them come and get the court set up and then take it down. And that solved that issue right then and there for a quick court turnaround too. So got to keep the mind open and kind of keep coming out with different ways because it is a very different sport. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, we've got a few questions from the audience, so I'm going to go ahead and take those. Um, Mary is wondering how many pickleball pros and instructors that you have on staff. Janet, can you share? We have um, two pros here in the Anchorage area, one in Fairbanks and one in Juneau, um, just beginning in terms of um, recruiting and keeping them busy. They're beyond busy right now, so it will yeah. be growing. Awesome. Eric? Um, depending upon the club, two to eight tennis, and then, you know, some are getting pickleball certified, but as they see it's growing more and more of them are. So obviously it okay. depends on the size of the club, but at least two out of things. Okay. Yeah. Andrew. Uh, we currently have four, uh, certified pickleball pros on staff, uh, two of which full-time tennis and pickleball. Um, and then two that are kind of the ambassadors, like they talked about that are certified that do some valuations, lessons, um, and some round robins. Awesome. Anish. Yeah, so I got two coaches dedicated to pickleball, and I got two tennis coaches who also are certified and can coach pickleball. So I would say, I guess, three, half and half, right? So three total. Yeah. But I'm also looking to add another dedicated pickleball person as things keep growing. So that is that's an everyday thing right now is pickleball. Keeping yeah. an eye on that. Awesome. All right. And then Allison is wondering if pickleball players care what surface the court is on. Um, or if it's indoors, I think you guys alluded to this, that maybe the answer is no. Um, but yeah, if you could go ahead and weigh in, uh, Andrew. Uh, we found that they enjoyed the ten being on the tennis court more from a surface perspective versus on a basketball court, just because of the skid and the bounce. Um, but they, you know, we have some clay courts that we've dabbled on a little bit with it on the clay courts. Um, they're pretty open to playing wherever they are, um, but they definitely enjoy the tennis courts a little bit more from a bounce perspective than like a basketball surface. Okay. Eric? Um, yeah, we just do it on the tennis courts and they're fine with that. So yeah, okay. we sort of, it's... what about you, Janet? Well, we're in the basketball courts, mostly um, summertime. We are outside and it is a little bit more challenging because they're in a parking lot. So the ball and the way it goes um, isn't predictable all the time, but because it's Alaska and they want to be outside in the summer, generally they're happy for that outside opportunity. Anish? Yeah, echoing what everyone said. The preference is a tennis court surface, but if they can play indoors on an arena floor basketball court, they'll take any indoor environment uh, rather than having to maybe play in the snow or something. So yeah, you know, the okay. best was. Um, and then someone else is wondering if you guys provide balls for drop-in play or if everyone is expected to bring their own. Um, if, if someone just wants to raise their hand, if they want to answer that. Janet? We provide balls and we also have um, extra paddles. Once they get involved, they're gonna want their own paddle. You can get a paddle from you know, a $15 to a $500 paddle. And I'm sure they all have different aspects of what you want it to do, but you need to have the equipment to help people get started, to have that first experience. That's all it takes and then they're hooked. Okay. Anyone else wanna weigh in on that one? We're the same as Janet, yeah. We're the same. Okay. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. Andrew? We provide balls for like the, the clinics around Robbins and paddles for the instructional beginner clinics. Um, but for a lot of just the open play that people reserve the courts themselves, they all bring their own paddles and balls. Those are already kind of into it. They like to show up with their bags and their stuff to show off the newest and greatest that they have and so on and so forth. Awesome. Um, and then Randy's wondering if all of your all's courts are regulation size and he's saying 44 by 20. That means nothing to me. So if anyone wants to weigh in on that one. 
I mean, that that can be a challenge when you're converting tennis courts, dependent on how much extra space the tennis courts have. And I think, yeah, I sh so that can be a challenge. Some might not have as much as we need. Okay. All right. Anyone else? So we stuck, stuck with the regulation. That's why we actually uh, built it on a footprint where we could have squeezed in eight courts, but we went with six courts because we also want to put lights and all of those other things in there. So we decided to compromise on not squeezing in eight. And we have marked our regulation markings on the indoor tennis court. So when it does get taped, it is the regulation size. So again, just two, two pickleball courts on one tennis court indoors too. Awesome. Um, and then another attendee is curious about pro shop sales. If any of you guys are including pickleball items in your retail stores, and if so, what are the hot items? Does anyone want to weigh in on that one? Andrew. Yeah, so we've been selling, you know, pickleball paddles and balls um, in our pro shop. Um, you know, we've had, you know, you get these individuals come in, they try it out, they get hooked. You know, why send them on their way to go order it online or go somewhere else? So we do carry it in stock here. Uh, the popular items uh, outside of having the balls, because they do break eventually over time um, and wear down, but is the paddles and having a variety of different pricing. I think as Janet kind of referenced that there's paddles for $5, there's paddles up to a few hundred dollars. So having a, a variety of range in the pricing skew that you have gives those who are just starting the option of what they want to do. Um, but generally we carry have all that stuff in stock for them to purchase. Okay. Anyone else want to weigh in on that one? The only thing I'll add is, you know, we actually do have a variety of balls that we do and we do all special ordering because we don't have just a retail shop, but we do special ordering, but we do have like starter type balls for more the instructional clinic. We have more uh, competitive type tournament play balls for the league play. So we do have these different things that we do for different environments also within pickleball because it does, based on what we have learned, it does make a difference. Yeah. Um, someone else is wondering if you guys have had any luck with challenge ladders or leagues, or is it is programming mainly drop in play and clinics? Anish, I know you said that you guys had done some leagues, right? Yeah, we have. We've got two leagues typically that we offer. One is like a fixed partner type league. And then the other one is everybody signs up as an individual. And then our pickleball director kind of pairs people up and then based on, and you kind of rotate and play every time you come out for those two hours and everything. So it again, mixes and matches everybody up. But people who want to be more competitive and more driven, the fixed partner leagues are for them. And then the other one for the more recreational player who still wants to compete in some way. Anyone else want to weigh in on that one? Janet. We're just starting with the leagues and the tournaments, but they've been very popular. Awesome. Eric. Uh, we're similar to Anish, but the biggest thing is just the open play. That's always the most popular, but we do have leagues, um, you know, at different levels. And again, just, you know, similar to tennis leagues, so that both of them have been successful, but probably open play is the most successful. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Janet. Um, I think when we had talked previously about the more experienced players and trying to keep everyone still playing together, I think leagues or tournaments help with that. It gives them a chance to play with similar skill and maybe get better or have that competitive feeling. And it hopefully will keep the open play still multi-level in big community. Awesome. Hey, we've got a lot of questions. You can tell people are super intrigued about this topic. Um, someone else is wondering, what software do you use to manage all the programs and court reservations? Um, Anish, can you answer that one? 
Yeah, so currently we're using SNG uh, for all of our operations, whether pickleball or tennis or everything. It's all SNG right now by Daxco. Okay. Andrew, what about you? Uh, we're using Club Automation for all of our platform software for court bookings, pickleball, um, as well as all our other programming as well. Okay. What about you, Janet? We use CSI. Okay. By Daxco, so yeah. All right. And then Eric? Um, we've used Club Automation. We're converting to Jonas, but we're actually going to use the bookings in Smart Health Clubs. So that app okay. sort of integrates others and they have really good booking system and we're just sort of just getting that going. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're about out of time. So um, I'm going to have each of you go around and finish with a final question, which is, um, I think some of you play pickleball. So if you could just tell me what you personally love um, about the sport, or if you don't play, um, just your favorite thing about um, having that at your facility. So uh, Janet, let's start with you. Um, I have played. And I think my favorite part was that we've got employees who were not necessarily motivated in other fitness ways, hooked to something that they absolutely love and look forward to. And I can hear, so my office is pretty close to where they play. I can tell you when it's employees playing. They're louder, they're funnier. <laughs> and I think it's so important that they have something that release in that team building. So that's one of my favorite parts. Awesome. Eric, what about you? Um, I think for me, I grew up playing tennis. And I think it's neat to be challenged with a new racket sport. To Anisha's point, it's like so different than tennis. You you think it's going to be just sort of like playing, you know, sort of short side of tennis, but just learning a new sport um, and then hopefully doing it injury free. Um, and then just being able to share it with other people um, is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Andrew. Uh, so I'll, I, I do dabble. I do play. My background, just like Eric, was, was tennis. Um, and I have to be honest, five years ago, my pitch on pickleball would be completely different. Um, over the last few years, my, my take on it has very much changed the positive, uh, where I think it's going to benefit tennis. One thing I find it, about it the most um, valuable is the fact that you see a lot of players that maybe played tennis growing up but got away from tennis because of the competitiveness or because of injuries but they're getting back into pickleball. And so it's inspiring to me to see these individuals that maybe have gotten away from a racket sport because of experiences they've had and getting back on the, a tennis court to play pickleball and get back into doing something very active and very fun and enjoyable. So to me, that's very empowering to see that when those type of athletes come out. Yeah. All right, Anish. Yeah, so like Eric, I have a background in tennis. Also, I played a lot of tennis competitively and you know, I'm looking at and I'm loving playing pickleball. I've actually played a hell of a lot more pickleball than I picked up a tennis racket in the last nine years. Um, but it's just like, it's like a new challenge to, for starters, like having played that sport for so long, it's like, okay, I'm kind of re re learning a whole new sport, but I still have some skills that translate. So that's kind of fun. But then two, I'm able to play with my wife. We can just literally 30 minutes before we can be like, hey, let's just go play some pickleball. We don't have any planning needed. You don't have to make sure you have the right partners for anything. You know, my in-laws play pickleball. So, I mean, it's like, it, it, it's fun from that standpoint that everybody's kind of dabbling in it, that it becomes even a family activity now. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, I'll go ahead and close. Um, I haven't tried pickleball personally, but I think after this panel, I'm definitely going to go out and, and give it, a, take a swing at it, no pun intended. So um, yeah, awesome. Thank you guys so much again for sharing your expertise with our um, audience and then attendees. Thank you for tuning in.
Um, I hope everyone has a great rest of your day. Bye guys. Thanks for you all. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.